Good morning, everyone. Feels like such a long time since I've been here. Uh, it is. It, it has been. That's right. It is 2021. It's amazing. February 2021. Uh, what? How the year has already started to move us by. And uh, if we're not diligent, if we're not aware, if we're not intentional, it can move away very, very quickly, and we can look back and think, "Where did the year go? And what have I done?" This morning, I want to talk to you not about a series or start a series, but something that God's laid on my heart, uh, which is quite close to me and, and he's been speaking to me a bit. But I think it's actually something for us to think and ponder upon this year. And it's a call, it's a warning for us, but also a call towards him. And because of the nature of it and the message of it, I want to end with communion. So I'm going to preach the sermon first and then we'll move straight into communion because it just leads naturally. So will you pray with me? Father, we just want to acknowledge your lordship. Your word says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. It is our privilege and our honour to confess your lordship now while we still have breath. It is our honour to be able to bow before you and say, your will be done in our lives. It is an honour and a privilege to say, this is your life, not mine. I no longer live for myself, for I've died to the old man, died to the old way, that the new man may rise up, the man that Christ redeemed me to become, that the Father created me and Holy Spirit's moulding me to be. Father, that's the life we want to live. And this year, as we, set, as, we, as we think about it and dwell about it, Lord Jesus, we just want to set apart this year for you. We want to set apart this year that our lives shall be intentional for you, that we will know you more, that we will draw into you. And so this morning as we hear the word, Lord, may it be your very word to us. Lord, remove everything of me. Everything of, that comes from me, remove it. That The only words that are embedded in the people's heart are the words that come directly from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, or about a week and a half ago, I felt really led to read about the life of King David. Um, and, and before, even before he was king, but read about the life of David. And so I was led to go back and read First and Second Samuel. And as I started reading, I started at 1 Samuel and got through and I hadn't even got to the mention of David yet and something really struck me. And it was from this perspective in chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3, that I want to speak to you this morning. Uh, it's, it's actually challenged me to the core about who I am. It's challenged me to the core about my ministry, about my preaching, about everything, because this here is fundamental. And I think that there's something in here for us for 2021, a call to draw near to the Father and to know him. So I just want to read uh, about seven verses from 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 through to verse 7. The boy Samuel... I'm just Samuel, for those of you, just as a reminder, Samuel, Hannah was Samuel's mum and, and Hannah could not give birth. She, she was barren and she went into the temple and she prayed and prayed and she was weeping before the father uh, in the temple. Anyway, God blessed her with a son and the son was Samuel. And once he was weaned, she took him back to the temple and said, God has blessed me with this son. I now give him back to you, God. And he spent the rest of his days in the temple and became a priest. 
How amazing is that? One who was set aside and Hannah acted by faith, something, a gift that she'd wanted for so long. A son, a child was given to her. And when he was weaned, he said, Father, I give him back to you and handed him over. And every year she went to the temple and she would visit him when she was coming before the Lord. But she handed him back. There's something in that that's amazing. So this boy, Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the priest in those days. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. I want you to take note of the very first line. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Verse 2. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that they could barely see, because Eli was coming old, was very old, he was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple, in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down and again the uh, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I don't know if you picked it up, but in verse 1, it says the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. In verse 7, it says, now Samuel did not know the Lord. Here is a, a young boy who was ministering before the Lord, and yet the word of God says, but he did not know him. I don't know about you, but that hits me hard. How many people, and as I've prayed through that and, and, and read through that and meditated on it, it breaks my heart because, and I'm not just talking about this church, I may not be talking about anyone in this church, but the question, how many people are ministering before God but do not know Him? How many people attend church every Sunday, attend church regularly and do not know Him? How many people lead children's ministry, are a deacon or an elder or a minister and do not know him? How many people spend every day, wake up and open up a devotional book to read about Jesus but do not know him? I don't know about you, but it breaks me to the core because I know that I desperately need to know Jesus. And I do not want just to do something because it looks good or it looks right or people esteem me because I do something. I want to do it because I know Jesus and it's from that place I want to do everything in my life. I don't want to ever preach a sermon and this is the bit that's really convicted me. I don't want to minister and preach to people and then to get confused that you can get to eternal life and know the Father by doing things or through church attendance or looking good or service or doing ministry but not know him. The Christian life is not about attending church. As good as that is. The Christian life is not about doing ministry or doing things as good as they are. The Christian life is about knowing Jesus Christ and thus being transformed into his image and his likeness. The Christian life is about knowing him. 
Samuel ministered before the Lord, but did not know the Lord. The call that I have and the message that I have for you this morning is do you know Jesus Christ as Lord? Do you know him intimately and intentionally? Or do you just do things and attend? Have you spent a life of doing things without being transformed and knowing him? It's a call for this year. I feel it's vitally important that I lay this challenge before you at the start of 2021. For you to know him more. For you to know him, not just to serve him, not just to do the right things, not to attend the right places or the right things, not to talk to the right people, but to know Jesus Christ. Because eternal life is not getting to heaven. Eternal life is knowing the Father and the one whom he sent, Jesus Christ. You, the minute that you know Jesus, you step into eternal life. And you say, Grant, that's an Old Testament story. Well, let's flick over to the New Testament Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, we'll start at. And this is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking. Admittedly, the new covenant has not been cut because his body has not been slain and he has not shed his blood. But he is speaking cross covenants here. He is speaking to those into the future. And he says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, on what day? On the day that you appear before the Lord. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you away from me. Sadder words were never spoken. Imagine the devastation. Having spent all your life in church. Having said all the right things. Gone to all the prayer meetings. Leading children's ministry. Being a deacon, an elder, a minister. Appearing as though you know him. Thinking that you know him, reading stories about how other people know him and you get before him in heaven and he said, I'm sorry, I called out to you, I wanted you to draw near me but I tell you, I don't know you, you must leave. They're devastating words and I hope that you hear the intent here is Jesus is saying, don't let those words be spoken to you. Know me. Be drawn into me. Know who I am. Just because you you dress up and you wear the tie. I'm the more dressed, most dressed that I normally am for church. Don't have a tie though. But just because you're dressed appropriately for church. Just because you sit in the same spot and you, and, and you welcome people and you can talk the religious language doesn't mean that you know him. And this morning and this year, he's calling people to know him. And if you know him, great. Use this to draw into him more and to know him more. 
and if you don't know him, if you realize and if the Holy Spirit's ministering to you and speaking to you saying, this is for you, then use this time and this year to change it because it's never too late. The story of Samuel, it finishes, or not finishes, but the story of Samuel, it says at the end of chapter 3 in First Samuel, it says, The Lord continued to appear at Shehol and reveal himself to Samuel through his word. You see, in the end of that chapter, it says Samuel got to know the Lord. The, he did not know the Lord was not the end of the story and it does not need to be the end of your story. Because Jesus is always calling out to you and he always wants you to know him. And the story that started off with Samuel, uh, sorry, Samuel did not know the Lord. And yet Samuel was the priest who anointed the first king of Israel and anointed the greatest king of Israel, King David. From one who did not know him to one who was drawn into him and used intimately and closely. And it doesn't matter your age. Not picking on you, Mrs. Smythe, but you could be a hundred Or you could be 11. It's never too late. Never too late to draw into him if you don't know him. And it's never too late to draw closer to him if you do know him. Let 2021 be the year that you know him. That you know him. And everything that we preached at over the past year and a half as we worked through Ephesians, Ephesians is a call to know your identity. You can only know your identity as you know him. You can only become the man or woman that the Father created you to be, foresaw before the foundation of the world, before anything was created. He saw you with intent, with purpose, with value. You can only become that as you know him. The man or the woman that Jesus Christ came to redeem so that you could step into by the grace of God and become the very person that the Father envisaged before anything was created can only be achieved as you know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, which is given to those who know him, the Holy Spirit who desires to live in you, to mould you and shape you so that you know Christ more, so that you can become the man that the Father envisaged that Christ redeemed you to become, can only be achieved as you know him. So know him. But how? How do you know him? I don't think that, it would, that I would do it justice if I just came up here and gave you the challenge. And didn't give you some clues from scripture about how do you draw in, how do you press in, how do you know him more. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, and this is found in this amazing passage of scripture where where Jesus talks about prayer and it leads into the Lord's prayer. Which is an amazing prayer in and of itself. And Jesus says, and when you pray, I'll start at verse 5, and when you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites. And we often think of, of those people who, who are performing. Think about, when have I done this? Personalize these stories. Is Jesus speaking to me? And, and don't be like someone. I'm going to change it slightly. Don't be like someone or the hypocrites. For they love prayer standing on the synagogues, on the street corners to be seen by men. Don't be someone who performs ministry or prays or does anything to see by man, to be seen by other people, because what other people think of you means for naught. 
means for nothing. Don't be like them. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. If you do anything for the praise of men, that's your reward when they see you. If you do anything, if you serve, if you, if you lead up here, if you preach, if you w- welcome whatever it is, if you attend church, just to be seen by other people, that's it. That's your reward when they see you. That's done. There is no eternal reward. There is no further blessing. There is nothing. That's it. That's all you've done. But Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is in the secret place. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. It is in the secret place that you are molded. It's in the secret place that you get to know Jesus. It's in the secret place when it's just you and him. No one else is around. No one else is watching. Where you don't have to perform, you don't have to say the right things, but you get to pour out your very heart to him. That's where you get to know Jesus. When you go into the room, into the room, wherever it is, it's, you know, for me, we're, we're blessed. I, I have a, a study, a, a granny flat where I get to go. And when I go in and shut that door, that's, that's me and him. And I get to be real and I get to be honest. And it's in that period of time, it's in that place that I'm shaped, that I'm molded. Holy Spirit once led me and and showed me and revealed to me. He said, Grant, it's not when you're out there performing ministry. It's not when you're preaching. It's not when you're praying for others. It's not when other people see you that I'm formed. All of that is an overflow from how I shape you when it's just you and me. That's where you're molded. It's when you expose yourself and commune intimately with me in the secret place. That's when I get to know you and you get to know me. And it's from that place that you can then minister and you have something of substance to offer because otherwise it is just you. It is in that place where, where I get to take the word combined with the spirit of God and I'm shaped and I'm molded. In the secret place. The secret place is where you get alone, where no one else is watching and you can pour out your heart and proclaim his goodness and his love and you can worship him. And it's not a performance. It's real and it's genuine. I'm concerned that some people replace the secret place of time with him with just reading a devotion. Reading what someone else has done. And you read it, people might read it, and then they just pray, God bless me, these are the things that I want to see today. That's not the secret place. That's not drawing close to him. That's not knowing him more and being known by him. That's reading about what other people have learnt when they've been with him. Does that make sense? I don't want to be harsh here, but it needs to be said. He wants to know you. He doesn't want you just to read about how someone else has known him and what they've drawn out of it. He wants your heart captured by him. He wants to know you. And I'm not saying devotions are bad. Please don't hear that. Use that as a way to draw into him if that's what you want to do. 
But make sure that you're honest and you're open before him. And it doesn't need to be an hour before the start of the day. It it doesn't. For me, I like to set aside a period of time and do that. But it could be as you're driving to work. It could be in, in in the course of your day when it's just you and him. You turn the radio off and you just go, Jesus, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you because you are my Lord. You became sin and you hung on the cross that I could become righteousness of God. I thank you that your love knows no bounds. I am here. Today I am yours. Have with me as you will. Just promise me you don't shut your eyes like I did as you're driving the car. But it's an intimacy. It's a genuineness. It's a heartfelt place. It's, it's when you're home alone with him and just him in the secret place where no one can see you. Where you turn off everything else that can capture your heart. And you say, right now, Father, I'm yours. What is on your heart that you want me to know? What's what's on your mind that you want to share with me? What is it, Father? Because as you are, I want to become. Whatever you desire for me this day, I want to desire to to share with me and open me up because I want to know you. You might have spent your entire life as a missionary or a minister or going to church. In the end, it means for naught if you don't know him. But it's never too late to know him. Because he's calling out to you. He wants you to come to him. And this year, I'm convinced, is a year that he wants people to know him like they've never known him before. He's calling us and he's saying, come into into the secret place, into my very heart, into my very being. Because I want to share with you my thoughts and my desires. In 1 Corinthians, it's an amazing passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And all of this can only come by knowing Jesus. If, If you haven't heard anything else or if you want to tune out now, You need to take away this. You need to know Jesus. And if you know him, great. Draw into him more. Because he wants you to know greater things. He wants you to know him more. And he wants to know you more. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 6, it says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that is hidden, that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And we can only know that wisdom through knowing him. If we don't know Jesus, we will never, ever know the wisdom of God. We will only ever know the wisdom of man, which James says the wisdom from man is is earthly, sensual and demonic. But the wisdom that is from above, the deep wisdom of God himself is first of all pure and peace-loving, kind and considerate. He says, I come to you with wisdom, but not the wisdom of the world, but the deep secrets, the wisdom of God himself that's been hidden for ages past. None of, verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord, our Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 
So how can we understand the depths of God if he says no one can comprehend or conceive it? He says in verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. It is a call for, and he's, Paul is saying here, as we know Jesus more, as we delve in him and understand him, his spirit, the very spirit of God, which examines the depths of God himself, shall be revealed to you. And he wants to share those, those depths. He wants to share that wisdom with you so that in every situation, in every circumstance, you can respond as God himself would respond out of love and wisdom. The Spirit searches, carrying on from verse 10, but God has revealed to us by his Spirit, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And that Spirit lives in you if you know Jesus. You can know the very heart and the depths of God himself because his wisdom shall be made known to you through knowing Jesus Christ. I had a client this past couple of weeks and, and they, they asked me if I could mentor or coach uh, one of their employees who was struggling. And I'd been doing that uh, for a period of time. And the past couple of weeks, I'd, I'd finished the coaching session with him. And he got up and he was about to leave. And I sensed, just in my heart, ask him if he wants to be here. Stepping over all kinds of boundaries here, I was. And I just said, hey, have a seat for a sec. I said, I just need to ask you one question. I said, we've talked about all of this stuff. We've talked about work. We've talked about what you need to do. We've set out the agenda. We've done all that. But I need to ask you one question. Do you want to be in this organisation? And his face just dropped. And I was able to share for the next five minutes my heart for him. About him rising up and, and doing stuff that he believes, that, that I believe he's been gifted for and created for. And I walked out of that, and an hour and a half later, I received a text message from the employer saying, Such and such has just resigned. I went back in the next day just to say, Hey, how are you going? And I've never seen him look happier. Someone had given him permission, and that wasn't me. That was because I'd been formed and moulded that morning in the secret place with Jesus. And Jesus was saying, I love that man and I need someone to speak life into him. And I had the honour and the privilege to be able to do that. We can't know the secret things of God and God's heart without knowing him, without being with him, without finding our place in the secret place and he has given the spirit of God that knows even the deep things of God. And it carries on, and I was going to read more, but I'm, it finishes up, chapter 2 finishes up by saying in verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ. We have the joy, the peace of Christ. We can have the attitude of Christ. We can become the love of Christ. We are the body of Christ. If only we know him. 
And finally, we can examine the depths of who he is. We will comprehend all that he has given us and his very wisdom and his very heart. And then we get to shine like lights in the midst of the world, seasoning the very environment around us for the kingdom of God. But it only starts if you know him. If you know him. I want to finish with these words before we lead, it, lead into communion. They're found in Psalm chapter 91. And, and this psalm has been an amazing psalm that many people have drawn upon over the past year. But this psalm written by David, it starts off, I only want to read the first two verses. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will, of, of the Almighty shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. As you know him more, as you enter the secret place, that's where you find rest. As the world is, is going, darkness and fear is pervading and more and more things are happening, the closer, the, the further we move on. If you don't know Christ, then the things of the world will start to influence you if he is not influencing you. You need to find the secret place and go and be with him so that he will mould you and he will shape you, otherwise the world will. And if the world shapes you, you've got nothing to offer the world. But if he shapes you, you get to shine in the light and the things of the world can't touch you because you're resting with the almighty God. And then in verse 2 it says this, I will say of the Lord. So he who has rested with the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress in whom I trust. David saying, those people who have entered the secret place with God, who found their rest with him, he's saying God will be their comfort. God will be their protector. God will care for you in your times of need. God will drive out the fear and place peace in your heart my refuge. But he's also saying in the he is my fortress, he's also saying God will strengthen you and God will empower you and God will equip you and God will give you power to stand against all the powers of the, the enemy that is to make a stand because you will know his very heart and he will suit you up with the armour of God so that you can proclaim and decree the heart of the Father and be a warrior in this age. As you know him, he does both for you. He is your refuge and he is your fortress. But you must know him. And it's only possible because of what he did on the cross. And we're coming to a time of communion now. And communion is a time of remembering Jesus. But we're going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to have... Both my helpers come forward and they're going to hand out the bread and the wine at the same time. Take them. We normally eat the bread together to say, together, collectively, we remember. But this morning, I want it to be intimate and I want it to be personal. So I'm going to ask each person to have the bread and the cup and to ask one question. Do I know you, Jesus? Do I know you, Jesus? And if in your heart it resonates, yes then your response is, Jesus, 
with these emblems, I come before you as a declaration that I want to know you more for all that you've done for me. I'm going to eat and I'm going to drink as a a recognition that I want to delve more into you and spend more time in the secret place with you. I eat and I drink this because of what you have done for me and an acknowledgement that I can know you more. But if your heart cries out, no. Do you know me? No, I don't think I do. And if you're convicted by that and you want to, then you take those elements and you say, Jesus... I don't know you, but I want to. And I know that you have made it possible through the cross. And the bread and the grape juice represents all that you have done for me, that I can know you. So I eat and I drink this as a desire and as a declaration that I'm going to know you more this year. And this year is the year that I come after you and I chase you just as you have pursued me because I want to know you. Do you know him? Your answer might be yes, but not as I ought. Make a declaration to pursue him. As my helpers come forward, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are crying out to us this morning. Know me. Know me. Father, I pray that you'll strip away everything else everything else in people's minds, every, every other distraction so that people can hear you speak when they ask the question, do I know you? That you will answer them, Lord, that they will be true to themselves. Father, I just lift them up before you right now and I pray your blessing upon them in this time of communion that honesty shall prevail as they ask the question, do I know Jesus? May this be a time of declaration between them and you. In Jesus' name, amen. As the bread and the wine come around, please hold it and take it in your own time. Father, what an awesome privilege it is to be able to come around the Lord's table to remember Jesus, to remember all that you have done, to remember that you have set me free and that you paid the price that we never could, that we could know the Father. Thank you that we can only know the Father through you, Jesus, and you have opened up the door, and you have removed every barrier. Jesus, we just want to worship you and acknowledge you and remember you and proclaim you as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the one who has set up his residence in us if we know you and if we've given our life to you. Father, we just say that we want to dedicate this year to you and say, have your way in us. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in me. Because we have died to the old man. It's no longer us that living, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Father, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the will of the Father in human flesh. If we do not see it in Jesus, we do not see it in the Father, because it is not your will. As we press in to know you more, Jesus, this year, we just pray that more and more we too will become the will of the Father in human flesh as Christ resides in us. And Father, that we will become the will of the Father, as seen by men, because we've died to ourselves that Christ can liveth in us. 
But Jesus, we acknowledge it only starts by knowing you. And the cry of our heart this morning, the cry of our heart this year, is we want to know you more. We are not content with where we are. We want to know you more. We want to press into you. And so as we meet in a secret place, we thank you that you will meet with us and that we will be made known to you and you make yourself known to us. So that on that day when we stand before you and we say, Lord, Lord, the response will be, Oh, my daughter, my brother, come here. Thank you for making yourself known to me. I love how we've journeyed together and how I was in you and you were in me. And that the words depart from me, I never knew, shall not pass your lips as you speak them to us. Father, bless these people. Bless every person here in their desire to know you more. As Kira comes and collects the, the cup, Caleb's, uh, we're going to have a time of offering and an opportunity for, for you to give uh, free will up offering back to the Lord uh, for his work and his service. Pray. Father, we just want to lift up before you the offering that has been presented to you. We ask that your will be done with this, that which is given, that you will direct the hearts and the minds of those who make the decisions, that they will do so out of wisdom, a wisdom that comes from the depth of you, Jesus. Father, we want to lift up some people before you right now. And Father, we think especially of, of Bob Moore's family. Father, we rejoice and we celebrate that Bob, this morning, has entered into your presence. Yes. Father, we rejoice because he is one who did know you. Mm-hmm. And we thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But Father, we ask your comfort be upon his family, upon his wife, upon his children upon those who have inv- he has invested his life into. Lord Jesus, be their peace for them. I thank you right now for, for Mrs. Smythe, a hundred years, and still going strong. Father, I thank you for the example that she is of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for the life lived for you. I thank you for her, and I pray that the story continues to get better as you continue to use her to bless this world. Lord, for those who are here this morning who have any sickness or any illness or any lack, I declare your wholeness, your healing and your blessing upon each one of us. Because we are your children. And if you did not withhold your son... The best of heaven, you shall withhold nothing from us. That's your word that I declare and I speak. Father, I thank you for this church, the faithfulness of every single person here. And I thank you that it's your desire for us to draw near to you, as we know that you continue to draw near to us. May this church be a beacon and a lighthouse in the midst of this community, calling forth the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The story of Samuel starts out by the writer, the author, declaring but he did not know the Lord. But it ends with him being a great priest, one who anointed the kings of Israel. Your story is never complete until the day the Lord decides you to be with him.
And there's always opportunity for your story to be written down in eternity as you know him. So be one who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. You will then rest in the shadow of the Almighty and you'll be able to declare, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust.